Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Come on, take your shoes off. Whoa. Right. Come on in. We got a lot of, we got tea sandwiches. I am glad you brought up the shoes off thing. Yeah. This is like an unofficial rule in our house. And a lot of times when people enter, they will ask if they should remove their shoes. And I never know what to say because we do it. Right. But not, not in like a real intentional way where we're like, don't you dare bring a shoe in here. We do many things in this house in the Japanese style. (laughs) There it is. I would say. Um, no, yeah. I mean, like if somebody were to ask you, I always kind of stumble a little bit. Like if, if somebody comes to our house and says, oh, do you want me to take my shoes off? Yeah. What do you say? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, I say yes, please. Well, you know, you don't want to sound like you're just trying to scope those little toesies, scope those pigs. <laughs> That's your immediate thought. This is so funny. That I you don't have, want them to think I'm a... Uh, you have this constant fear of appearing to be like a deviant. This is like yeah. when we talked about hot tubs and you're like, well, if we get a hot tub, we'll be those people. These are not <laughs> These are not un, unreasonable fears for... I we were we were told growing up that these were normal <laughs> That's things. That's true. To be, I forget to be sometimes of. because you're so loose now. You know. Yeah. I forget about your prudish upbringing. Yeah, like you've always had a sort of heathenous. <laughs> I'm a real dharma. <laughs> you damn it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not willing to see. I'm that not. I, I I'm going to put it on this podcast. I see dharma to you. You can't. I can't believe how casually you just did that. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that is some. I saw you blowing bubbles the other day, and I was like, "That's a dharma. I can't Can I compete something? with that." <laughs> I didn't know until we had kids how good I am at blowing bubbles. I can. <laughs> Are you saying, "Oh my god," because you're exasperated with me because it's a weird thing to flex over, or because you know it's the just truth? it's this it's this trait, and I see it in Henry now too, where it's like you will try something you will be better at it than you expect it. And then yeah. instantly you're like, maybe I should be a professional bubble blower. <laughs> well, I didn't go that far. Okay. I wouldn't say I went that but far. But you had the thought a little bit, right? Like, I wonder what the biggest bubble is. No, I mean, I've read enough like Guinness book of world record <laughs> books. I feel like in my school library, there would be time where we would just go in there and read. And I'd be like, that sucks. That's <laughs> so boring. But uh, these Guinness Book of World Records, they have wild facts in them. And so I would yeah. read about like the world's biggest pizza or, um, uh, you know, the world's biggest bubble. I am i couldn't come close to that. Okay. But couldn't you are good. You are. I'm not saying pretty that good. you're not good. You are good. I'm pretty good. Good breath control yeah. from all of my meditating, uh, hand-eye coordination, risk assessment. These are all important Sort of See, now you're leaning towards blower. Greg again, and I'm regretting my Dharma assertion. You think that blowing a nice big bubble... Okay, so Dharma would blow a bunch of little bubbles. Greg would get in <laughs> no. his head about I'm blowing one huge bubble. The fact that you just detailed an analysis of the strategies to uh, maximum bubble blowing is a very Greg move. It's hard to be this like quirky and random all the time. <laughs> it takes a lot of work, actually, to be yeah. Dharma. Okay. Do you have a small wonder for me? My my love. Mm. I mean, I don't know that we've talked about it, but um, there is a place here called Jetty's. Jetty's uh, that has a year round Thanksgiving sandwich. The the Nobadier. Yes, I don't really actually know. Why nor I. Nor I. It's called that, but it's it's like turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce, and I mean you can get it anytime you want. And so I had it yesterday. Yep. 
had the leftovers for lunch. I, I followed the same trajectory for my lunch choices. I forget the name of the sandwich I get, but it's like a chicken parmesan sandwich. It's good yeah. as hell. Keep it up, Jetties. I just, I love, I I feel a little purist about Thanksgiving food and that I wouldn't necessarily just make stuffing like in yeah. April. But I like that I can have a little Thanksgiving sandwich anytime I want. Yep. Um, I'm going to say uh, I've been uh, struggling with some pretty bad insomnia lately, mostly brought on by stress and also the fact that our baby wakes up a lot now. And so what's the point? Yeah. Um, but I have been sort of knocking out some stuff off the backlog of some movies I've wanted to watch. Mostly horror films, which is probably not helping matters much. But I finally saw Nope. Uh, yeah. And I, I thought it fucking ruled. I thought it was really good and super scary. Extremely deeply unsettling and and scary uh, in, in ways that I wasn't even expecting, you know, Jordan, Jordan Peele to go to, which is saying something after... Uh, I feel like that says a this. lot because to me... Us was incredibly scary. See, I never thought Us was that scary. And the fact that you didn't but think that this one is makes me think it must be This one's crazy. about alien abduction, which I think when done right, and this film does it right, is an, an inherently terrifying concept. Yeah. And yeah. This, this, this movie does a really great job of establishing its alien as like... A, a genuinely threatening presence, and then like after it establishes that, just constantly throws the the heroes of the film into scrape after scrape after scrape after scrape with it. Uh, it's badass. It's got like some genuinely rad moments in it. Uh, it's great. It's great. I can't stop thinking about it. It 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 is uh is great. I don't know what else to say about it because I'm like a year <laughs> and a half late to this. Uh, to this discussion, but I don't know yeah. why. I, I mean, I I know why I put it off is because like it's tough to get stoked about watching horror movies when you only have like an hour to watch yeah, TV at yeah, night. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad I dipped in because I thought it absolutely ruled. Uh, I go first this week. Okay, I'm talking about a music thing. I'm excited to talk about a music thing because it's like a a music thing I've loved for a long time, and so it's like one of those. Why haven't I talked about it yet? I know. It's the band Soul Coughing. Yeah. And by extension, frontman Mike Doty, who has gone on to have a, a an illustrious and incredible solo career uh, yeah. as, as a musician. Uh, 90s kids, will remember this one. Um, <laughs> Soul Coughing was an experimental alt-rock question mark band the genre is yeah, like completely that, that feels right yeah I'll, I'll i'll talk about sort of what kind of music that the band made but they're they don't adhere to a genre very cleanly um and yeah it was fronted by mike Doty, who has some pretty complicated feelings about soul coughing that i'll get into uh, a little bit later the trajectory of soul coughing was like almost like archetypical new york experimental music uh, group in the 90s story. Uh, he was a doorman and like uh, amateur music critic who met up with a drummer and a bassist and a dude with a sampler machine at the Knitting Factory, which was like this uh, experimental rock nightclub in the same sort of like CBGB's uh, circuit, the same Manhattan neighborhood in the 90s. Uh, and so these four people came together and formed this just Frankenstein-like group uh, that dabbled in 
rock and blues guitar and hip-hop and jazz samples to make something that is just just wild. Um, if you've never heard a song of theirs, that's not true. You have heard at least one song of theirs. It's probably Circles, which was on their third and final studio album, El Oso, which came out in 1998. Uh, it's been in a bunch of movies and TV shows and video games and commercials and everything. Uh, I think unequivocally it's like maybe their best song, but it also is not like the rest of their stuff. But uh, I wanted to play it because it's probably the same one uh, you remember because it's got a super catchy hook and the chorus is just like eight words over and over and over again. Uh, so here's a little bit of circles. When you languishing in rooms, I both value I'll still fuck with circles, even though I don't think it's necessarily representative of the rest of their yeah. work. Yeah, you, you grew up. You, you listened to soul coughing in in their active era. No, right? no, I I don't think so. There was this period of time in college where I really found a community of people that really loved music, and I hadn't really had that prior. Yeah. And so there were all these bands that I had a real passing knowledge of from the 90s, um, like Stone Temple Pilots, sure, um, for example. And Soul Coffee was another one that just kind of showed up all of a sudden. And I was like, wow, I'm really late on this one, but this is exactly what I like. It does not surprise me that you liked it. It is so sort of like poetry influenced. I honestly, when I, when I look back... Mike Doty has gone on to have his own solo career and he's made more music and music that is like more meaningful to to me because it was like I was going through college when he was releasing music and it was just it hit all the all of my pleasure centers all at the same time. But the nostalgia factor, I guess, for for me with soul coughing is like completely off the charts. Um, There was a thing. It can't exist. It can't possibly exist anymore. Uh, But it was called Columbia House. And it was Columbia Records sort of uh, distribution and sales platform that if memory serves, you would like get like a flyer in a magazine that you would just sort of check the boxes of Uh what albums you wanted. Uh And then you would mail that in and you would get a bunch of cassettes or CDs uh, in in the mail. Justin did this constantly because they were dirt cheap for whatever reason. Yeah, I couldn't figure out. I th- I wondered like did you have to pay for a membership? Because they w- they always would advertise like like nine CDs for nine dollars, and I'm like, how are they doing? Yeah, this? I remember <laughs> going through the checklist once because Justin had some like extra picks, and it was like ninety nine cents per per yeah, CD, which is yeah. like uh, I don't understand like, the cost of and distribution of music doesn't mean anything like any anymore, yeah, not true. compared to like how it was, but it, this was like a. A thing that Justin used constantly, and I know it exposed him to a lot of music, and then, of course, by trickle-down economics uh, would, would then go on to inform sort of the, the the music that I thought was cool. And that is, like, all soul coughing. Like, it didn't sound like anything else I'd ever heard. I don't yeah. know that really anybody's been able to emulate it quite uh, the, the way that they did it. It's lots of spoken word, lots of just sort of stream-of-consciousness 
lyrics, a bunch of jazz, a lot of drum and bass samples in their later music, which is like funky as fuck. Uh, It's just, when I look back at the music that I thought was cool in the 90s, there's not a lot that still stands up to scrutiny that I would still look back on and not be like, well, that, okay, maybe that wasn't so cool. Soul Coughing fucking stands the test of time. It is still fresh as hell. I'm going to play another one of their their songs off of uh, Eloso called Fully Retractable, which sort of more encapsulates the band's super specific genre, which uh, Mike Doty described as deep slacker jazz. <laughs> Shoot out like a house flyer. This house was half my mind. I don't dispute the doubts you've outlined. But it's my right to waste your time With these things It stands to reason these things won't kill me Your feelings The spattering of boys me Don't tell me uh, So Soul Coughing released three albums together before they broke up in 2000 uh, Over a decade later uh, Mike Doty wrote uh, a, a memoir called The Book of Drugs that described pretty hellish conditions in the band. There was just like constant strife over creative direction and credit and uh, all of this different yeah. stuff. Uh, I, th- I think one of their members had a baby and then that was just like, they were like, okay, well, this is the reason, this is the off-ramp that we needed yeah. to not do this band anymore. He was also struggling with drug addiction, uh, which unsurprisingly based on the title of the book it it deals mostly in uh he also wrote a book of poetry i don't know if i ever if you knew about that and then like uh it was when i was in college he released a book of poetry called slanky that i like read in college and the same way i thought his music was like the coolest shit in in middle school uh slanky was like the coolest shit for me in in college um yeah i i i think that uh it's really unique music that I can still go back to and listen to and not only enjoy, but just kind of like, you know, appreciate the fact that that was some pretty cool shit that I was into as a middle. The novelty still works for me in a way, even though it is very sort of, you know, ego uh, aggrandizing maybe yeah. a bit. Uh, but it's kind of undeniable how cool uh, the music is that Soul Coughing made and that Mike Doty continues to make um and if you've never listened to any of their stuff uh i'm i'm kind of jealous of you because there's a lot (laughs) there's a pretty big body of work there to to dip into go listen to pretty much all of elo so it uh it fucking shreds from start to finish that's soul coughing can i steal you away yes Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) 
Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this, this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain they can be anywhere at your office in your car And they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Hi, I'm Alex Schmidt. And I'm Katie Golden. And we make Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, a podcast about why seemingly ordinary stuff is actually the title of the podcast. Using tons of research, we take a joyful look at history and science and stories. And jokes. About the ordinary stuff in your life, because that's what makes those things amazing. Also jokes. So get excited about paper clips. Get thrilled about pigeons. Get all psyched up and running around the room about the imperial system of weights and measurements. For real, there's whole episodes about that stuff. Hear them anytime and hear new episodes Mondays at MaximumFun.org. Okay. Yes. So kind of speaking of that time period. Oh, boy. uh, I wanted to talk about my wonderful thing this week, which is Hot Topic. Oh, my God. I, maybe this inspired you as well. I just saw some post somewhere that was just screenshots of the Hot Topic website uh, when it first launched. (laughs) And like the, the merch that they had the Beavis and Butthead and Slipknot and yeah. MCR merch and shit that they had there. And it took me on a journey. 
I think I don't honestly I don't remember how I came to this topic, but uh, have we not discussed hot topics? We have. We, so we've talked about the mole. Okay, I was going to say right. I know I've shared some deep, dark hot topic based <laughs> secrets on this show before. Uh, and I, I think like it was easy to recognize that it was special because it was so different from any other store in the mall. Yes. But I didn't really think about the kind of the access it gave like suburban kids or like small town kids all over the country. Like the fact that you could, you know, you didn't have to live in like a hip college town or like a New York or Los Angeles. Like sure. you could go to the mall and access these like band t-shirts. An incredibly canny, I would say, business uh, decision yeah. to to go after that market that was being uh, cr- crucially underserved. And it's funny, in too. The, in the Huntington, West Virginians <laughs> of the country. It was funny, too, to think about how intimidating that store was to me. Oh, for fucking sure. And, and like, obviously, it was designed, I think, to be that way a little bit. But... I mean, every store in the mall was designed to be that way from your Hollisters to your American Eagles to your you know yeah but this this felt more like you had to have cred you know because the employees and I guess this was true with like Hollister yeah for sure but the employees represented something that was very intimidating the music was very very loud sure Uh, as I mentioned the storefront was like you know and super imposing and very bad sometimes and that's okay too yeah I mean that's just true of young people. Like if in a retail environment, yeah, you know, you have employees more often than not that aren't being paid. I have well. to be careful after talking about soul coughing in the first half of the show, approaching this hot topic half of the show, <laughs> and not sounding like the world's biggest hipster <laughs> douchebag piece of shit asshole no. ever. I don't think that's possible. It's for not. You. I loved hot topic with my whole heart. I always wanted to hang there, but I knew that I was like not nearly on the right level yeah i used that i shopped there wrong i would leave the store and be like that wasn't i bought a ring why that wasn't right (laughs) i I panicked and bought a ring um yeah they for me it was like they had hair dye in the like crazy manic panic colors which was hard to find like at a you know grocery store which is very wild with your with your hair colors? I mean, I tried. I never bleached my hair. Right, which you got. So you really. when I would do like purple or red, it would be very subdued because yeah. my hair was brown, you yeah. know? Um, but I definitely tried. And it was and like body jewelry too, you know? It was just like stuff that you you really didn't know where to get it as a young person. Right. You know, particularly if you like couldn't drive yet. Yeah. Not that I had any kind of body piercing <laughs> before I could drive, but, uh, you know, I'm just saying, like, it was a way to, like, access things, you know, that you, like, were into. Right. And couldn't get it, you know, Target. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't realize a lot about kind of the story behind Hot Topic. Um, it, it was really charming to read about. the. Uh, it was a couple that started it out of their Southern California garage in 1989. Um, and they opened their first location in Montclair, California at a mall. Um, the couple was Orv and Leanne Madden. Orv was a former executive at the Children's Place. Huh. And if you look at it, if you could find a picture of this couple online. Does he just have like his ears gauged? No, it's like the most. 
wholesome couple you've ever seen. Like it it looks like I mean like if they introduce themselves, like if you were at, let's say, like a neighborhood ice rink. Yeah. And, you know, both your kids were on the same hockey team and you leaned over and you're like, hey, so what do you do? And they'd be like, oh, I started Hot Topic. You'd be like, no, no you way. fucking didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, but they're, they were super. Do you kids like Invader Zim? <laughs> um, so I read this. I read a couple articles, um, but one that I read was with Cindy Levitt, who was the very first employee hired by Hot Topic and is now the senior vice president of merchandising and marketing. I love that. And she said- I love that for Cindy. I know. <laughs> Initially, when they started, it was it was going to be like a hip young men's accessory chain. So like- Wait, hold on. Wait. Uh, an accessory? They just had the one chain that they were selling to men's as accessories- <laughs> To wear at the at the ska concert. That's sweet. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about like sunglasses, belts. Oh, you right. know, yeah. like. Uh, and then they they kind of just kept adding as they kind of followed where the interest was. Um, and so then they went on to like jewelry, um, the spiked wristbands and collars that you may remember. Uh, and then they started traveling around the country. And um, back in 1989, you couldn't find like music T-shirts at any kind of like mall, you know, like there was you would go to a concert or you would go to like a really cool area of like downtown big city USA. Um, But you couldn't find that at the mall. And so they immediately started like trying to find those T-shirts all over the country to bring to their store. Um, I remember it. God. I remember going to a Tower Records in New York City before I think we had a hot topic at Huntington and just being like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can buy shirts with the band's names on it? Yeah. I mean, this thing was before the internet, right? Like, yeah, of like you had to physically go somewhere to purchase this thing. Uh, and you didn't really know where to go. Yeah. Um, and Hot Topic <laughs> kind of cornered the market on that. Um so then they expanded to pop culture, which is like what we know of now, like their big like Nightmare Before Christmas, Care Bears kind of like that genre. Said, right. But their first big pop culture shirt <laughs> was Homie the Clown from In Living Color. It was their first non-music license that they purchased. It wor- I guess it worked. History was made. Uh, it was it was huge for them, and then they started buying like Twin Peaks shirts, uh, and people went crazy for it. And then they started going after shirts where merchandise wasn't available yet, like SpongeBob. Okay, it was like the first year of the show. Nickelodeon hadn't put out any merch yet, and so Hot Topic scheduled a meeting with a company and became the like exclusive deal for SpongeBob T-shirts. I'm curious what their licensing deals with like different anime distributors is like because i feel like every time i walk past a hot topic now it's like demon slayer and yuri on ice and like big yeah big, yeah uh, breakout anime shows that i mean certainly wasn't anything i was watching when hot topic first opening yeah no that's what's kind of incredible is that for a store that tries to be so specifically like of the moment and relevant to like young people's interests. Like they've really kept up in a way that is surprising. 
Um, the, the Care Bears thing that I was talking about is what I remember from sure. that time period. Because I would walk into Hot Topics super intimidated by all the like spikes and boots. And then I would see, you know, like strawberry shortcake. And I'd be like, wait, like. Yeah, part, <laughs> there was a weird part of the like early emo zeitgeist i guess Uh that was very like 80s and like nes i remember they had like a bunch of they had like a they had like a zelda wallet and i was like whoa that's fucking cool yeah like for whatever reason those two kind of cultural touchstones blended in the petri dish of of the hot topic well that interview that i read with the senior vice president was talking about rave culture like how that became really popular this kind of like nostalgic like big pants you know like child's t-shirt like glow sticks like all of that they just like really i've never thought of rave culture as being really doubled down on an extension of one's childhood Yeah, so they they have really kind of kept up in a way that has been surprising. Like a lot of, as you know, shopping malls and stores in malls are struggling. And they definitely had a dip, but they still have over like 676 stores in the malls around the country. The one thing I wanted to show you that I didn't realize. So the hot topic I remember looked like this. Shit, yeah. Like had the the big metal gates, the like gargoyles, the like crazy font. Um, you know, it, they like really set it apart. Which I know there are younger people who listen to this show. You have to imagine going to a mall where there's like an Auntie Anne's and a Suncoast Records. And like a Sears. And a Sears. And then there's a fucking <laughs> gateway to hell. It was <laughs> the most badass stuff ever. Let me show you how Hot Topic looks now. Oh. It's gonna make you kind of sad. No, I get it. Like, yeah, I, get I mean that's the, the thing, right? Like, so now it's it it kind of just looks like a like a modern urban store. Like, yeah. it's not it's still dark, like designed a dark, darker vibe than yeah. uh, the the Pack Sun next door. But it's not designed to be, um, you know, as intimidating maybe as it once was. Uh, this this I guess all happened in like two thousand seven. Yeah. They intentionally, like, pursued what they called this lighter and brighter model of just, like, making it more uh, accessible to people. Because, obviously, they're carrying a lot of stuff that young people want, and they right. want to be like, hey, you can come in here. It's okay. Well, and it's also good for the people <laughs> who were teens when Hot Topic first came out and then are not teens because of the 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 cruel trajectory of Time's Arrow. And then they're like, people are not going – Adults are not going to come in this fucking store, y'all. Yeah, that's fair. So they had to change something. Yeah. Um they've done a, they've continued to do a lot of stuff. Um the the most recent thing I found is they've launched and this is really I think wise. They've launched a uh, a resale program th- with a partnership through ThreadUp so you can like resell your like hot topic apparel for credit that's interesting (laughs) which i think is interesting because there's always like this push for like you know finding like vintage Vintage stuff yeah and obviously at a certain point god that's hysterical the idea Mm -hmm. that old hot topic merch is now vintage is makes me want (laughs) to go sit down in a dark and cold room (laughs) uh this just happened october 2022 they announced this so this is this is brand new um i'll see if i can find my my uh my goggles (laughs) your goggles my fucking cowboy bebop uh windbreaker yeah i don't know if i ever 
I mean, I definitely bought stuff in Hot Topic, but I was in there maybe a hundred times more than I ever bought anything. Yeah. Because I would just kind of be like, well, uh, no, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> I didn't buy much there. I think I got, I bought goggles once. I bought a ring once. It was expensive. I mean, it was, yeah. it was mall expensive, which like, I didn't have any fucking money. So no, like, it's any, true. any amount of money was mall expensive for me. Yeah. Uh, but I always, it always was like a proving ground. It felt like, it felt taboo for me to be in there partially because of my own, you know, Southern Baptist up, upbringing uh, and feeling like, oh man, what if someone from church sees me in here? <laughs> but also from the like, I can't, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to touch something and someone will be like, why are you touching that shirt that way? That's well, not there a was this big thing. And I, in the interviews that I read, they talk a lot about how the culture has changed where you're like kind of allowed to like different things now. Whereas when we were younger, I feel like there was this big fear of being a poser. You know, yes, you had to like absolutely. lean. You had to like lean into an interest, and if you leaned into that interest, you had to like follow everything that went along with it. And so it was very challenging, I think, to be like the person like me who really just kind of liked REM and Fiona Apple. Yeah. To be in Hot Topic and feel like it can be for me too. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't really know Metallica, um, but I can be in a place where there are Metallica shirts. <laughs> Um, How strange and sad. I know we we <laughs> eulogized the mall on our episode where we talked about the mall, but it's so wild how that was a a personal cultural moment when Hot Topic opened and all of a sudden this place where you go to buy jeans and uh you know video games at the Babbage's uh has like some counterculture shit yeah. in it, uh, and and you get exposed to that in the, for the first time. Obviously, like you know, you can buy whatever online, but to be able to have that kind of like com, com, like communal shared experience yeah. with all my friends of like figuring out like how we how do we approach this store? And I think, I mean, I think, and this is what I was reading when I was researching it is it like in a lot of like small towns that is still very much true. Yeah, for sure. Like they don't have access to like places to gather there where their interests are like welcomed and common except for Hot Topic, which I think is- God bless Hot Topic. It's great. God bless you, yeah. Hot Topic. Uh, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to the Maximum Fund Network for having us on the network. Speaking of, the Max Fund Drive is going to be coming up here in a while. And uh, we've been thinking about our bonus episode, uh, our BOCO for Wonderful this year. Yeah. If you don't know, we're a pledge-supported uh, show. And uh, the Max Fund Drive is our, our chance to... Uh, put out some extra stuff and ask y'all for help supporting the show. Anyway, we've been talking about what we want to do this year and we've discussed doing a return to Rachel plays a Rachel plays a video game yeah. for the first time. Um, yeah, we we aren't really 100% sure on what the video game should be. Two uh, years ago, it was Animal Crossing New Leaf, I think. Yeah, before, which did in some ways Or kind no, of, the one before that. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. No, it was New Leaf, was the 3DS was one, it? and then yeah, New yeah. Horizons was the... Yeah. yeah. Um, and that really, I mean, it did. I played that game a lot. Played the hell out of that game. Yeah. Um, so if you have any suggestions, hop in the Facebook group. What game? Maybe someone could get a poll there. Maybe Rachel could even Keeping could in start. mind, here, let's set some parameters. Yeah. I would prefer it to be on a handheld device because then I can do it in different places of our house. I would say a Switch <laughs> game would be ideal. Yeah. We have a couple of those. Um, uh, 
Yeah. And and also like the barrier to entry has to be pretty low because I'm not going to have a lot of time to dedicate to this. That's true. I think something in the Stardew Valley family would be good. I think, um, I don't know. A Zelda, a Zelda, you've never played any of those, a Zelda. Yeah, but those are huge games, Those are right? pretty big games, sure. Yeah. But I mean, so is Animal Crossing, technically, yeah. if you think about it. Anyway, just food for thought. Uh, we have merch over at Uh Always updating the stuff in there. We got a bunch of videos up on our YouTube channel at the McElroy Family on YouTube. Go subscribe and watch stuff. Uh, and have a, have a great month. Wow. February's going to be yeah. your month. It's February, huh? Which is cruel because it's the shortest one. Is this a special one where we get bonus? No. It's an odd number year. There's no way it's a leap year. It, yeah, I don't believe that it is. Okay. I don't well, get bonus February. Damn it. I love a bonus February. It feels like stolen time, you know? Seized from Mother Nature. From the Father Time. I like Bonus February as like a band name, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Dry January, Bonus February, No Nut November. Oh, I, th- I thought we were going to do all the months, but we're just... I'm, ju- I'm jumping around. Okay. Groovy June. <laughs> uh-huh. That's... I don't want to do anymore. Okay. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.